Welcome to season two of the Paper Talk podcast, where we have candid conversations with artists and industry leaders from around the world. Our goal is to share knowledge, connect our community, and elevate the artistry of our craft. Hi, I'm Jesse Chu. Hello, I am Quinn Wynn, and we are the founders of the Paper Floors Collective. Welcome to episode number 34. I'm actually going solo today. As you know, Jessie gave birth to her baby just in December and she's on maternity leave right now. I'm so happy to actually do this interview because this is somebody I've been wanting to talk to for quite a long time. I've been following her and I think most of you have been following her. She actually just did an art gallery piece over in San Francisco, showcased November 7th through December 23rd. And I would love to introduce Yang Lu of Shanghai.1984. <laughs> Welcome. Thank you so much for coming to the Paper Talk. We're so Thank excited to talk to you about this. <laughs> <laughs> so I think a lot of people already know about you. But when did you get started and how did you get started? Well, I actually got started. So I had a trip to the De Young Museum with a gal pal and we were actually aiming to go see a fashion exhibit. Mm-hmm. and we couldn't get into the exhibit. It was sold out, unfortunately, and I was really bummed. But my friend was like, hey, this exhibit over here looks really awesome. And it happened to be, very fortunately, Tiffany Turner's uh, residency exhibit. Yes. Um, so I saw her beautiful, large um, crepe paper flower heads, mm-hmm. and I was just so inspired. I had never seen paper sort of like just being made into something just so beautiful. And it, you know, I had a conversation with Tiffany. I think she was like working on a really big giant ranunculus head at the same time, <laughs> which was great. Yeah. Um, and Her she pieces are so amazing. She is yes, she was my inspiration when I got started too. Yeah. Yeah. It was amazing. And I she had mentioned that she taught. And for some reason the fact that she said that like just kind of stuck with me and I kept looking for her class to show up. And and finally, I got into her class, I think it was like March of 2017. That was my first class. And things just took off from there. I just fell in love with how the crepe paper would respond to me. Um, I just found it like very intuitive Mm -hmm. compared to a lot of other art mediums that I had dabbled in or played with. Something about the crepe paper was just really fascinating to me. And I've been really fortunate to be able to have taken classes from Tiffany and also Lynn Dolan, who teaches at Twee in Berkeley. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I've just learned so much from both of them. And Where's Lynn teaching now? Because Castle in the Air is not physically there anymore. Is that correct? A Castle in the Air actually still exists. Yes. um, and classes are still running there. Uh-huh. Um, I think someone else teaches crepe paper. I haven't attended class there for a little while. But Castle in the Air, I think the store front is what has changed. Mm-hmm. Uh, I haven't actually seen the, the post-remodel transformation. In- <laughs> so I don't, I don't quite know. I'm just basing this off of like what I've heard and what I've seen on their Instagram. But yeah, Lynn teaches out of a tweet which is also in Berkeley. It's a little bit, it's a little bit further away from uh, where Castle was, but Etui also has like, kind of like, um, I would say like, kind of like a, a more upscale kind of boutique you know, place where you can kind of buy artistic things and art supplies. And then right adjacent to it is the classroom, which is really actually a really wonderful space to, to be in and, and work in. 
Yeah. Oh, that's wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> so who else has inspired you as a paper florist? Um, I follow a lot of artists and florists um, on Instagram. I generally, I would say I try to aim for work that kind of sits between dreams and reality. So I kind of like, sometimes I'll add things where I know like, oh, in reality, you would never see a blossom and fruit like necessarily smack dab on the same branch but yes you know, <laughs> it's art I can you know do certain things or maybe arc a branch in a certain way that I know would probably never exist in nature I think that's the fun of our craft that yeah. we can really think beyond of what is reality and go in the whimsical part. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And I definitely look at a lot of photo references. Yes. <laughs> whenever I'm working, like even despite sort of like the the wonderful bit about being able to totally use your imagination, there are certain times when I'm like, okay, I really need to know like how do the stamens look on this flower? Exactly. Um, yes. Yeah. Google yeah. <laughs> imaging is my best friend. I find it easy to like search for certain pieces and say, if I want to look at the sepals, I can search sepal of a ranunculus and then yes. <laughs> zoom in. And then yeah. I give credit to a lot of photographers or people that tag all these posts. So yeah. we can do all these search. We can do all these searches. <laughs> and, you know, see what that calyx looks like. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so I really want to talk about Anna and your collaboration with her, with the motherland flora and the botanical impossibility. How did that come about and how did you meet her? So I actually met um, Anna in class, in a class with Lynn Dolan, and we were just making flowers and we kind of realized after a little while, like, whoa, I think I already follow you on Instagram. And it was kind of like meeting a celebrity for me, like, oh, oh my God, you're like a real person. So we just like started chatting and I think we just, you know, got along really well just off the bat. And then, you know, at one point we were just like, maybe we should just do a collaboration together for fun. And then for our first collaboration, um, we just wanted to do something a little bit different to kind of like push ourselves to experiment. And that's why we ended up choosing the color blue as sort of like our theme for our botanical impossibilities collaboration. And we were just super fortunate to be able to shoot it at Visco Studios. And they have a really lovely open studio program, which I cannot recommend enough. And then, you know, after that, we were like, yeah, let's, let's just do another collaboration together. Like, why not? So for Motherland Flora, we decided to kind of explore our mutual heritage. Um, so her, Anna comes from Brazil. And so for that collaboration, she did like a lot of Brazilian flora. And then I have a Chinese heritage. So I ended up going bonkers on peonies. And we also follow Shanghai.1984. Follow both of them <laughs> because it's just incredible. The detail that you put into your paper flowers is amazing. <laughs> Oh, thank you. Thank you. It, it's actually interesting. I managed to source paper from Brazil for that collaboration as well as from China. So, How is the paper different? So the Brazilian paper, I think it's called like a, a banana paper. I'm not entirely sure how it's made, but it's kind of like a very rustic heavy natural textured paper. You can see it in the background of some of the pictures in that collaboration. 
And then with the Chinese paper, I actually sourced Shren, which for people who are familiar with it, it's actually what we use for calligraphy and writing. It's a very absorbent paper. It's slightly translucent, like if you hold it up to the light. And the one I sourced actually had these beautiful gold flecks in it. Ooh. Yeah. And so what I ended up doing was I ended up using in the center of some of the peonies and then using crepe paper for the outer petals to still allow the peony to have the type of volume and sort of form that I wanted. But it's, it's actually something that your viewers can kind of steal is that if you want to incorporate another type of paper into your work, you can layer it on top of, say, a crepe paper or in an area where you don't necessarily need the structure that crepe paper gives you. Yes. I was wondering about that. That's ingenious. <laughs> so when you laminate like two different types of paper, is there a specific glue like the tacky glue? Do you use like like webbings or what? how do you adhere the two types of paper together? I definitely use a lot of Aileen's tacky glue. Yes, my um, favorite. <laughs> and I think she also has a really nice glue called the Easy Flow tacky glue. Yes. So I do find with some types of paper, it's easier to use the Easy Flow version because it's a little easier to spread. Mm -hmm. um, you do have to be careful that you're not using too much so that your paper doesn't get like super damp from it. But I do find sometimes using that will help. And then sort of just having the patience to let everything dry. I know. Before you start, you know, <laughs> cutting too much. Uh, you do have to do a little time. That is one key. Let it dry completely. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I do a process where if I'm doing a lot of pieces, I definitely do like, okay, today's coloring day. And uh -huh. I know I'm not allowed to touch it at least a day or two later, depending uh -huh. on the humidity of Seattle. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Yes. I work in a very dry climate, so I'm a little bit fortunate. In oh, that so lucky. Things <laughs> dry fairly quickly. <laughs> very, very fortunate. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's a great tip. I love that. Yeah. I'm going to have to try that. I have a couple pieces that I'm working on. I was thinking, how do I use this? But because Regular, like, handmade paper doesn't have that beautiful crepe structure that you can actually, like, cup and bend and create and hold on to. Mm -hmm. That is ingenious. I'm totally stealing that. Thank you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so amazing. I really love how you guys have collaborated together. Because you, luckily, you guys live in almost local. You live in the same county. Would you say? Actually, we don't even live in the same county, but we live close enough where, you know, like we're within an hour of each other. Okay, that's good. Yeah. So, so did you meet often or did you call each other? How do you go about collaborating? Oh, yeah, that was... So I have to say, Anna is super nice to work with, very easy to work with. And I. so I think we met at a cafe and sort of like talked about it. And then we would text each other. And then I think for our first collaboration, I remembered like we would sometimes like send pictures of our stuff to each other while we were working on them. But our collaborations are very freeform. And, you know, I was, I think for the first collaboration, I was worried like, you know, it's not like we really planned how tall all the flowers were going to be. Like we didn't even give each other measurements. It was just kind of like, <laughs> okay, we're making this stuff and we're going to show up at this location and we're going to shoot it and hopefully it works out. Yes. Um, <laughs> and so there was definitely like a little bit of, you know, we, we didn't know exactly how everything was going to look, but I think it's, it was kind of interesting. Like once we met with each other, 
it, everything just worked really well. We actually, at Visco Studio, one of the employees came up to us and said, you guys are so quiet. You don't even talk to each other. <laughs> I know. One of those weird things where like, we didn't really need to do a lot of talking. Like, so for some reason, like a lot of our work, like we're kind of like, oh yeah, let's, okay, let's do an arrangement together. And then like, we'll play around with the flowers and then just shoot that and then move on to the next thing. Yeah. Um, so we actually also did a variety of photo types where we both like individually shot our own work, each other's work tried different backgrounds, different mm -hmm. layouts. It was actually a four-hour photo shoot, so we had a lot of time. Oh, that's wonderful. That's me. Really yeah, and then, you know, try out different types of arrangements and, you know, just really experiment. Mm -hmm. And I think just after the first one and then the second collaboration, we just realized, like, our work oddly just seems to work well together. It, it, yes, it works yeah. so well. You guys did such yeah. an amazing job of finding each other and blending your work together. And it looks yeah. so seamlessly. Yeah. Amazing job. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> really wonderful. I think it got a lot of Instagram press, I feel like. Oh, we were talking about <laughs> <Thank> it. <laughs> Can we talk about your studio gallery piece that's in the San Francisco area? What is that piece called and what did you make? How did you go about getting in contact with them? And I have so many questions. Oh, yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so Studio Gallery came about because I had a really supportive coworker who had attended their tiny shows previously. And their tiny shows are usually a show that centers around work that's on the smaller side. And usually it's close to Christmas time. So, you know, it's art that's very giftable. That's wonderful. Um, friends. And he had just sort of encouraged me, like, you know, you should totally submit your work. They would love you. And Studio Gallery also specifically focuses on local San Francisco Bay Area artists, which I think is also just really wonderful to see. So it was one of those things where I just finally ended up messaging them and saying like, hey, you know, could you give me the application? The application process was pretty simple. Like you just submit images of your work, then they sort of visually pick from those submissions and then they meet with the artists and see the work in person mm -hmm. um, to kind of like, you know, just get, a, it, there's only so much you can see from pictures, particularly since my work is three-dimensional anyways. And then, you know, you just go through basically like a half hour, like a uh, show and tell session with the, with the gallery owner where you're just like, okay, this is this work. And I guess for some reason, she just really liked all of my fruit and blossom pieces. So I brought her four fruit and blossom pieces, one bow box. I um, love that. Just, yeah, <laughs> which was kind of like, I, I was kind of like, I don't know if she's going to like this, but you know, I'll, since I'm there, I'll just bring a bunch of stuff over. Yeah, and they were just very open to working with me in terms of figuring out how do we display this best. And yeah, it was it was just super fast and a really great experience. That's wonderful. How long did the process take from the interviewing process to when you started showcasing it in November? Ooh, um, I would say it probably all happened within the span of probably three to four weeks. It, wow, it really super fast. I thought it was a very fast turnaround. Yeah. You already had pieces ready to showcase. So that's what they ended up doing? Or did you make new pieces? Oh, I, I basically pulled pieces out of my collection of things. I just 
have at home that I thought would work well for what the gallery was asking for. Uh-huh. If I had to, you know, go from, okay, you, you have a gallery exhibit, now you have to make everything, I, I could definitely not be able to do that in a span of a few weeks. So it was definitely just me trying to find what would work in terms of size, because it was like a very clear definition in terms of what they wanted in terms yeah. of size, and then what could be a very giftable type of item. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you check out the gallery to see if that was a place that you want to showcase your work? How did you decide this is the one? Besides oh, yeah. your friend pushing you. To say, <laughs> yeah. Showcase. <laughs> yes. I mean, I did really, I, I trusted my friend's opinion, but I did also visit the gallery to see if it was kind of like a good fit for the work that I do and sort of like the type of environment where I would want my work to be showcased in. And it's just a, a really beautiful location, lots of natural light. It was kind of interesting that when I went there, I saw that there were some artists who were doing like clay persimmons. And I was like, oh, I have a persimmon that's made out of paper. They might like that. <laughs> um, I think that kind of boosted my confidence a little bit that like, oh yeah, they're, they're interested in this type of stuff. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that definitely helps. But I, I do definitely think that if your viewers are interested in submitting to a gallery, try to scope it out, look at the reviews, look at the, you know, the gallery website, like really get a sense of what the gallery is interested in and what type of audience they serve. That's very, very good advice. I love that. And also you were able to sell your pieces and they all sold. Is that correct? I know for sure that two sold and I'm kind of waiting on final confirmation on the other three. Although I have an Instagram friend, Kiri. <laughs> uh, she's fine for me and she's, she thinks they have sold, so, but we'll know for sure end of December. Yeah. Yay. That's so exciting. Yeah. Congratulations. That must be exciting. like so wonderful to say like people do love your work and that's yeah. amazing. I think a lot of our audience is like, how do you price your pieces? Because that is such a tricky thing on how to do that. How did you go about pricing your pieces? So during my sort of first visit to the gallery, I didn't tell the gallery owner I was going to go see the gallery. I just went there pretending to be a, you know, a normal customer razzing. And that kind of gave me some time to look at what are their current pieces selling for? Just because, you know, I... I know San Francisco has different pricing from where I live, which is out in suburbia. And so that was kind of like a way for me to gauge like, okay, I think this price range is something that is would work for gallery. Yeah. Also, this gallery is known for pieces that are under $500. So did that help knowing that you could target a certain amount? Well, actually, it's only this particular show at the oh. gallery. That is known for small pieces under $500. During the rest of the year, they sell much larger pieces. And I saw those price ranges as well. And they were definitely more in the four-figure range. But, you know, much larger pieces. And I I totally understand the pricing for that. But I I don't know. Pricing is always a little bit tricky. (laughs) It really is. I don't think we ever feel like, oh, we totally nailed the pricing on things. Yeah. Um, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think pricing is so interesting because it's pricing about how do you value your work and how do you foresee people valuing your work and really your confidence to sell that price that you set your for yourself. Absolutely. I think that's the biggest thing. Yeah. Totally. And do you plan to have more art gallery showing next year? I would 
would love to apply to more art galleries. I think it's just so much fun to see your work in the context of a gallery. You also get the side benefit of inviting all your friends to the <laughs> opening reception, which is you know, <laughs> another excuse to enjoy art uh, together. Exactly. But yeah, I just think, you know, it. it's also like a learning and eye-opening experience in terms of like, oh, you actually want to display my piece on a wall instead of just on a table. And how do I accommodate that? And just certain things like that do sort of change like the way I think about like how my art should be displayed or how people should interact with it. So yeah, I would love to work with more galleries for sure. That's wonderful. And <laughs> yeah. you mentioned like your pieces because your fruit, they actually hung them up on the wall instead of putting them on the table or a bowl. Yeah. Did, did you know that that was going to happen? Did you like, okay, we're going to put this on a wall is my structure. Did you feel confident that your structure piece was going to like stay put? Because <laughs> you know, a fruit is way heavier than a flower head and it hangs low versus a flower head is sitting on top of the wire. So you feel more confident about that. Yeah, I, I have a lot of confidence in Aileen's tagging. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. They're amazing. Um, yeah, and then, um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I, for some of the pieces I knew like, okay, I have a branch coming out and I can, you know, I think what I did is at the gallery, I tested by kind of hanging it over my two fingers and seeing if it was going to immediately kind of plop down. <laughs> and the fact that the fruit and everything looked okay when I was kind of like just hanging it off my fingers, yeah. I said, okay, let's go with this, you know, go with pins on the wall and then hanging kind of by the branch of the fruit. And then pieces that I thought were heavier or like the bow just didn't have a stem or anything like that on it. Those I just requested the gallery owner display on a table. Yeah, your dumplings are amazing. All the <laughs> little pleats the, for the, the Shaolong Bao is amazing. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much. <laughs> really fantastic work. I just incredibly impressed by the amount of time that you've only been a paper florist for about, I would say, two and a half years. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's been just like an amazing ride. I think I've never fallen in love with the medium so mm -hmm. quickly and just taken to it so well. And it's just one of those things where it, it is a slightly time-consuming medium. And I think as long as you enjoy it, like you don't feel that the practice or mm -hmm. you don't feel that it's work. You kind of feel like you're just having fun playing around. I know. I love that. Okay, you guys don't know about this. Yang is actually, she has a full-time job, uh -huh. but she does this. I mean, you look at your account and you're like, she must just do this full-time because all the details that you put on there is <laughs> time-consuming to do. Yes. How do you balance a full-time job and doing paper flowers and doing art shows and all these different collaborations? <laughs> so I, I'm very organized, so that helps. I try to do most of my paper art either evenings or weekends. And then, you know, I have a fairly long commute on a train and I use that time to do usually my Instagram posts and sort of reply to folks on Instagram and talk to everybody. I, I think a lot of balance is also just like also being able to step back and say, okay, do I really have time to complete this project? Or also just be very upfront with people and let them know that I have a full-time job. You know, my timeline for things might not be a one-week turnaround, you know? Yes. I might need some time to, to really give someone something. And, and usually I find that most people are really okay with that. 
like unless they're really targeting to give somebody your paper art as a gift and if it's just art for themselves they tend to be more lenient and they're willing to wait for that i would also say like you know i've been kind of very fortunate to have a lot of like any sort of like commissions or collaborations be with people who are also my friends so <laughs> Wonderful. Really helpful. <laughs> <laughs> okay, back to pricing, because I struggled yeah. with this at the beginning of my career where my friends were asking me for my paper art. Mm-hmm. Do you give friends and family discount? What is your philosophy on that? Because oh. we have not talked about that in this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> That's really hard. I, For me, because I have a full-time job, it's very easy for me to at least say, I know that I'm not doing this for the money. And for friends... Part of it is like certain friends, it might be just that we make a deal and, you know, my friend says, I'm going to take you out to a really nice dinner. <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> that's, how, that's how I'm paid. And I, you know, it might be something like that. Other friends, I may know that they can't really afford the price range that I would sell the piece for at a gallery, yeah. but I just might decide because the reason that they want this piece is just something that really inspires me that I will still go with it and allow them to pay what they are able to pay me. But it's just one of those things where ultimately, you know, you have to balance what you're getting out of it with Mm -hmm. do I, am I charging enough? And it's something that I still struggle with a lot. (laughs) I think all of us do. It's like, It's been interesting. It's a conversation that comes up quite a bit for, I mean, also in the wedding industry. And we do talk about like, how do you know when to raise your price? How do you know how to set your price? I find it really interesting because I did have a lot of friends and family that purchased my art, but a lot of people say your customers are not your friends and family when you set your pricing because- you have, you have the heart and the soul to like know about their stories to like, okay, I, I know you can't afford it, but you know that they love your art and you want to share your art. Of course. That is really different from a stranger where you don't know the background. Right. And that's where you have to truly trust your gut and your confidence to say, I'm worth this X amount of value yes. and to stick with it because it is hard because you're like, is my art valuable? It's just this weird fluctuation, I feel like, about yeah. art. Like how, and art is such a funny thing. Some people will love it. Some people will not love it. And is it about like, how do you go about showcasing it? And I think that's the interesting part of how, how do you plan to like navigate your future? And do you plan to have your paper flowers be with you for a really long time? Because I know you're very passionate about it. I feel like the same thing that you, when you said that it really resonated with you, that crepe paper had a calling. And I've dabbled in the different mediums too. And I felt like crepe paper had really stuck on with me. And I see me doing paper flowers for a really long time because every time I take a break to kind of like recharge myself and I pick up the crepe paper again, I am so happy to be sitting there cutting tiny pieces of paper, (laughs) gluing them together. It just is so satisfying. (laughs) I think there's something about the texture of the paper, the fact that you can stretch it, the... And there's something that, and you can color it too. You can color it. And I think there's like a nostalgia that I feel like where it reminds me of like my childhood where, you know, I was very creative and there's something about like cutting and gluing and, you know, pasting, like something, something about that just feels very childlike and very comfortable and comforting. And yes, I, I definitely, I think I will be with this medium for a very long time mm-hmm. yeah, just because it's just so much fun. Yeah. <laughs> 
So where do you see your paper flower business going in 2020? Ooh, I, I don't know if I fully think of a business as a business right now for yeah. myself. I, I still think of it as my passion, yes. but I do want to keep growing and expanding and sort of pushing my work further. I think that's the most key for me. I've started experimenting with just other materials in combination with crepe paper, like Lakta. I think some people have already seen on my Instagram, I often color with Copic and their airbrush system. Oh, yes. It's uh, so fun. <laughs> which is a lot of fun. Yeah. And then also um, wax pastels for coloring as well. So I just feel that, you know, there's just still so much more within the medium for me to explore. I definitely would like to work on just more gallery shows and then just like collaborations with other artists because I find that that sort of helps stretch you and push you a little bit outside your comfort zone when you're, you know, working with somebody else. I know Anna and I will definitely do another collaboration. Yay! Um, I want to so, join on your collaboration. That sounds yeah. amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's super fun. And then there's like just other artists who I'm kind of waiting to see if I can approach collaborations with them. Quick mention to people who I'm super interested in collaborating with. <laughs> I don't know if you've seen her. Oh yeah, we're going to have her on the podcast pretty soon. So we're oh, really Oh wow, excited. that's super amazing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I love so, her. Yeah, She's her work so is amazing. amazing. I she tends to do like kind of like very interesting work with I think it's a scalpel of yes. support. Yes. Um her textures that she creates super amazing. And I've talked with her. This is like the beauty of like DMing people. On yes, I, love it. <laughs> I, I just feel like she's sort of like my art hero. Like I and I'll ask 100% agree with you. 100%. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whenever she posts for an internship, I'm like, if only I lived across the other side of the world, I would apply. I know, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm hoping someday I will get to meet her and collaborate with her. Also, I follow a lot of actual florists i'm sure you do as well because they're super inspiring for all of yes. us so ruben mark stewart oh yes oh yeah. yes <laughs> yeah you think like how like dreamy and romantic his floral uh, look yes so he's based out of canada and i'm hoping to meet him next year <gasps> yeah and then hopefully i can convince him <laughs> to collaborate with me somehow i think it'll be an easy every time i meet a a fresh flower florist and they see my work they're like how do I incorporate your stuff with my stuff it's <laughs> fantastic it's an easy sell it's an easy sell <laughs> bring your work and okay. show it <laughs> thank you thank you that gives me more wow what an exciting 2020 it would be for you if all that happened and oh, I'm pretty absolutely. sure it will yes yeah <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much for jumping on and chatting with me. It's mm -hmm. been really inspiring to hear your story. And I'm really excited to see what 2020 will bring for you. Thank you. And uh, for you too, since I love following your account. And oh, thank you. What classes and new flowers and things that you're coming up with. I love your arrangements. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, 2020, we have so much planned and I'm hiring a few more people to kind of complete the Posy Box Circle. And it's been really amazing. We jumped over to a new platform, which we're going to be talking about, I think in the next coming weeks on how that transpires. So that would be a fun <laughs> podcast to listen to. So Yeah, awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> thank you. Um, how about a quick tip for your viewers? Yes, let's do yeah. that. 
Yeah. Okay. So I know sometimes people ask me like how I make my flowers look more realistic or how I just sort of get more of that reality into it. So one is just super embrace messiness. <laughs> Don't try to make every single thing look the same. Yes. <laughs> it took me a long time just in my general artistic work where I used to try to be super neat and clean with everything. And then finally, someone was like, no, messiness is your style. You need to embrace it. <laughs> and I realized like, oh yeah, I totally need to embrace it. And then just like try things like freehand cutting and like moving away from the templates a little bit. And, you know, I actually like to destroy my work a little bit. After I'm done, it might be just scrunching things up. It might be adding a few bug bites or bruises on the leaves. All of those little details and just having things not be 100% uniform all the time really helps your work look a little bit more realistic and like a real flower. I love that. That is such a good tip. Okay. <laughs> I 100% agree with that. The perfectly imperfect where you, you have a messy, but it's a neat messy. Oh yeah, thank That's you. That's a really important thing. Lou's <laughs> just like flying over it. That's not the messy that I'm talking about. <laughs> exactly. Thank you so much, Yang. It yeah. was so much fun talking to you. <laughs> likewise, likewise. This was super wonderful. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Oh, you're absolutely welcome. Thank you.